This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is seven minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut, the 27th day of August 2021. Welcome to a Friday morning wake-up call here on Sports Country Radio. It is going to be another hot one here in the Northeast, third straight day of 90-plus degree temperatures, Uh, kind of a rash going on across the country right now. Uh, News this morning, there is a hurricane headed for New Orleans, just what that area needs. Uh, and it is going to be a potentially a big one. Winds uh, in excess of 110 miles an hour. So uh, batting down the hatches, New Orleans, one of my favorite cities in the world. Matter of fact, it is my favorite city in the world. I have lived all over. Uh, I've lived in Europe. I've lived in the Middle East. Uh, I've traveled extensively, and New Orleans is in my top three or four cities to visit, favorite cities in the world. Uh, it just... Uh, there's just something about that city. Yeah, you know, there's, there's, uh, you know, there is crime there, and there are some parts of New Orleans that are a little seedy. But that's the same with pretty much any city, right? Uh, but uh, New Orleans is a place if you like music, and you like great food, and you like a good cocktail, they got them all. And people watching is just a a joy down there. So, uh, uh, very excited. Actually, my wife and I are going to be when we move south. We're we're going to be within a day's drive in New Orleans. I mean, it'll be a long day of driving. We can, you know, about nine, ten hours. But, no, it's going to be a place that we can visit more often. And I'm really looking forward to that. So hopefully they come through uh, the uh, upcoming hurricane okay. Uh, who did not come through okay last night? The Minnesota Twins. Uh, they ran into a buzzsaw last night. Uh, that buzzsaw was named Bobby Dahlbeck, of all things. Uh, Bobby Dahlbeck with the best night of his young career. Seven runs batted in last night, two home runs, and the Red Sox just destroyed the Minnesota Twins 12-2. Chris Sale looked more like the vintage Chris Sale last night. Uh, four and a third hitless innings. Then he gives up a little bleeder. And then the uh, the turtle, Williams Ostadio, uh, hits a shot into the uh, left field monster seats and that was it for minnesota for the night and and you know chris sale was funny he said that giving up that home run actually pissed him off and after he gave up that home run he uh, he cranked it up he hit 98 on the gun 97 on the gun all of a sudden that velocity that you know we hadn't seen we saw and shows us how close he is to coming back through just 80 pitches. Got himself in some trouble in the sixth with one out or one out in the sixth. Uh, you know, he hit a guy and then he walks a guy. So Alex Cora, after 80 pitches, gets him out of there. Now, if this was two years ago, he's going to let Chris Sale work through that. Hell, if this is a month from now, he's going to let Chris Sale work through that. But he had arrested Garrett Whitlock in the bullpen. This is just Sales' third start back, so you don't mess around. You go and get Whitlock, and Whitlock just does the job. Comes on, gets out of the rest of that inning, pitches another scoreless inning, and he just continues to dazzle. And Sale did something last night that you don't see very often. He had uh, what's called an immaculate inning. Nine pitches, nine strikes, three strikeouts, it is the third time he's done that in his career. It's the t- second time he has done it as a member of the Red Sox. And only he and Sandy Koufax have done that three times in their careers. You know, I'm, you know, I'm sure there's others, you know, a long time ago that did it. But since they've been tracking that kind of thing, Sandy Koufax, Chris Sale, the only two guys to have ever done it three times. Pretty impressive. Um, so... 
that was a good sign. You know, and then because the game's out of hand, they can get Garrett Richards in for an inning just to get him some work. He looked okay, walked a couple of guys. He was typical Garrett Richards, you know, walking on a razor's edge, gets out of the inning without giving up anything. He was lucky. And then Matt Barnes comes on and pitches in an inning that doesn't matter. But it for him, it probably did matter. He pitches the scoreless ninth inning. Now, it wasn't clean. You know, he hit a guy on the foot. Then he walked another guy. But he struck out two. They didn't make hard contact against him. And he pitched that scoreless inning. And it's, look, it didn't mean a damn thing in terms of this game. But this is what I think the Red Sox may have to do in the short term to get Matt's confidence back. You may see the next time they're in a closing situation that Matt Barnes isn't the closer. Of course, I don't know who the hell will be after. I mean, Hansel Robles bailed him out a couple of nights ago, but then we saw, you know, in that extra inning game, he just imploded. You know, maybe they give Adam Adovino a chance. Maybe Garrett Whitlock gets a chance if it happens in a couple of days. Give him a day off and bring him back out there. You know, but I think they're going to have to let Barnes pitch a little bit in games that don't matter to build that confidence back up. Last night, hopefully, was a step in the right direction. Um, and as far as Dahlbeck goes, look, this is a this is a a good problem, I guess you could call it for the Red Sox. Dahlbeck has had an absolutely insane month of August before last night. Before last night, he was hitting 311 with a, a 10.26 OPS in August. In his last 15 games, Dahlbeck is hitting 395. 395 with a 921 uh, OPS and 16 home runs this season. They're starting to see what the promise was that they, they, they thought they were going to get from Bobby Dahlbeck. Look, you know, and, and if you look at his numbers overall, he's still only hitting 235, but now, you know, you look at his slugging percentage for the season and, and it's respectable. You know, uh, it's 453. His on base percentage is up to 740, and this is for a guy who doesn't walk an awful lot. You know, so we're starting to see some good signs. You know, a 740 OPS, you'd take that all day from a rookie. And, you know, does it create a bit of a log jab? Log jam? Yeah, I suppose it does. Because, you know, you've got Alex Verdugo, uh, not a, you've got uh, Kyle Schwarber, who they're going to play some at first base. You've brought back. Uh, Uh, Travis Shaw, geez, my had a brain fart. Travis Shaw, you've got J.D. Martinez, who they've been throwing in the outfield. Schwarber's an outfielder as well as a first baseman. Dahlbeck can play third base if you want to give Devers a day off because the other part of this is is that Dahlbeck was usually playing just against left-handers because he was struggling against righties. Well, last night the damage he did was off of right-handed pitching, and he's been hitting right-handers a lot better. So, you know, it's good to see. Uh, and with Hunter Renfro away from the team for a couple of days, he was put on the bereavement list. You know, it, they don't have to worry about that right now, but at some point they're going to have to try to figure out how to get at bats for all these guys. And with Dahlbeck being as hot as he is, you almost don't want to put him back on the bench for fear of uh, that fact that he'll he'll lose it. You know, you want to get him those steady reps. There had been some talk that with Schwarber, you know, being activated, that maybe Dahlbeck would go back down to reset, kind of like they did with Jared Duran. And by the way, Jared Duran was back up last night with with Renfro away from the team. Went one for three, uh, drew a walk, scored three runs last night. You know, I mean, so things are starting to look up for the Red Sox is what I'm trying to say. If they can just figure out the bullpen part. Of course, before the bullpen part, we could say, well, if they could just figure out the hitting part, or if they could just figure out how to get guys other than the middle of the lineup to hit, they'd be great. Or then it was if we could just get the starting pitchers to get us five innings. I mean, it just seems to be, you know, putting it all together at the same time has been so difficult for this team. But two out of three for Minnesota, certainly a promising sign. Um, you know, and look, they've got the Cleveland Indians coming up starting tonight. 
They have to go on the road to play the Indians. Then they have to go to play four in Tampa. Then they come back home, and guess what? It's the same teams, three against Cleveland, three against Tampa. So in the next 13 games, seven of them are against the Tampa Bay Rays. Seven of them. And the Red Sox right now sit, guess what, folks? Seven games behind the Tampa Bay Rays. Now, is it logical or reasonable to think that they're going to win seven games from Tampa Bay? No. But if they have everything clicking right and they go, you know, let's say they can somehow find a way to go 5-2 and two against the Rays. All of a sudden, you've cut that gap down to about four or five games. Maybe, you know, who knows? And you've solidified your your wild card position a little bit if you can do that, you know, and if you can take care of business against a bad Cleveland team. And, yeah, Cleveland's a game over 500, but they are a bad team. They've played better of late, but that's a team that with the the injuries that they have to their pitching staff, the lack of offense that they have, they're a game over 500, but they, their run differential is negative. So if you could take care of that, you know, business there and win six out of seven from Cleveland or or five out of six from Cleveland, I'm sorry. You know, if you can do that and then handle Tampa, you're right back in this. You know, they're still right now sitting two and a half games ahead of the Oakland Athletics in the wild card race, which is great. And with Chris Sale on the hill, if it's a one-game wild card against the New York Yankees, boy, how great would it be to see Chris Sale against Garrett Cole for a chance to advance in the playoffs? You know, I like the Red Sox chances, you know, because that's a a month and a half away, and Chris Sale, you know, providing there's no other hiccups in his recovery from the Tommy John surgery, he's going to be full ready to go. And, you know, maybe the Red Sox have a chance to advance. We'll see. I mean, we're a long way away from that, and the Red Sox have a lot of work to do before then. But definitely watching things like last night gives you reason to hope. And tonight, as I said, at Cleveland, Eddie Rodriguez on the mound tonight. He has been um, atrocious. No other way to put it. He'll have a good game or two, and – then he'll stink for a couple of games, and it's like, will the real Erod please stand up? Nine and seven with an ERA of five point one nine. But tonight the Red Sox get to go against Logan Allen. Logan Allen is one and five with an ERA of nine point five three and a walk and hit the inning pitch of one point eight. He won't go deep in the game. It's going to be a bullpen kind of game, but this is the kind of game where the Red Sox have an opportunity against a pitcher like this to make some hay. Yep, Cleveland's won seven of the last ten. As I said, you know, they've, they've, they've picked it up of late, but this is a game when you look at the, the pitching matchup, it heavily favors the Red Sox. They can't lose this game tonight. <laughs> Just can't. Uh, Cleveland is a pretty good team at home. They're six games over 500 at home. Red Sox, about a 500 team on the road. So that's what's in front of them, you know, and Alex Cora said it yesterday in the postgame press conference. Look, you know, we know what we've got to do. So, you know, now, you know, since they had that players-only meeting, there seems to be a different energy to this team. It doesn't necessarily mean it's, you know, translated all into wins, but they're playing differently. Even the game that they lost the other night in extra innings, that was a game they were down 4 nothing in the seventh inning. And to come back the way they did, at least to force the extra innings, is something that we saw early in the season that had been missing. You know, bullpen let them down, but there were some good signs there, even though they lost that game the other night. So, positive, positive vibes, at least for the moment. Um, my next question is, are the New York Yankees ever going to lose again? They win again last night. They had this game, it seemed, seemed in hand. I mean, they, they had a 6 nothing lead when I turned it on after the Red Sox game. And I figured, you know, this one's over. Joey Gallo with a a three-run bomb in the third. But then Oakland comes all the way back. Josh Harrison with a home run in the fifth inning. They tie it up. But then Aaron Judge with an RBI single with two outs in the ninth inning. And the Yankees win yet again. 
it is just it's it's kind of like Tampa. You just it's almost like you just like if you're the Red Sox, you're going Jesus. I mean, can we get a little help from somebody? Yankees have now won 13 straight. Uh, it is their longest winning streak. Or excuse me, it was their 12th straight win. It's their longest winning streak since they won 13 straight in 1961. They are a season-best 23 games over 500. This is a team, folks, that not long ago was a 500 ball club. And everybody had them dead and buried and Aaron Boone looking for a job. And here we go. And, you know, Aaron Judge, you know, look, he's had a lot of clutch hits for, for the Yankees. But now John Carlos Stanton has really started to assert himself. He homered for the third straight game last night. And obviously adding Joey Gallo, such a huge addition for this team. Adding Rizzo. They did what the Red Sox didn't do at the break. And that is improve their team. I mean, yeah, okay, the Red Sox got Kyle Schwarber. He has been pretty good. But it still didn't it didn't address the needs that the Red Sox had. It really didn't. They needed a first baseman. They needed starting pitching. They needed bullpen help. They got Austin Davis and and uh, uh, Hansel Robles in the bullpen. Just not a lot of help. That's junk innings. They didn't get first base help. Now, they're going to put Schwarber there, but that's not his natural position. But the Yankees addressed their needs. They went out and did what they needed to do. They got two big left-handed bats for that short porch in right field, and it has paid big dividends. Jamison Tyon was not great last night, but the bullpen did their job, and that included Aroldis Chapman, who picked up his 300th career save last night. 31st pitcher in Major League Baseball history to get to that. Um, and uh, Jonathan Lewisica continues to be strong out of the bullpen for the Yankees. Two shutout innings last night. He picks up the win and relief, his ninth win. Lowers his ERA to 2.23. You know, and again, this team is, it almost, and I hate this because it's the Yankees, but you almost look at this and you just like, you almost start to feel like that this team has uh, has something special. Kind of like the Red Sox did when Alex Cora first got the job with the Red Sox and they went and they won the World Series. You just, there seemed to be something special about this team. And it seems like no matter since the you know since the All Star break, no matter what the Yankees do, it's coming up roses, and you just kind of get the sense that this is a snowball rolling downhill, getting bigger and bigger and bigger as it rolls down one of the Alps in Switzerland. And God help you if you get in the way. I hope I'm wrong, but it's kind of the feeling that you get right now. Uh, and the Yankees have some more help coming. Look, they got Gio Rochella back. From the 10-day injured list yesterday, he had missed 23 games with a bad hamstring. Glaber Torres is close to coming back. He's uh, uh, going to begin a rehab assignment this weekend with their double-A team in Somerset. And Corey Kluber has rejoined the Yankees, and he is scheduled to start on Monday on the road against the Los Angeles Angels. So, uh, you know, look what they're doing now. With the injuries that they've had, no Urshela, no Glaber Torres, and now they're coming back in the midst of a team that has won 12 in a row. And, oh, by the way, uh, we're getting Corey Kluber, who before hurting that right shoulder was looking pretty damn good. So a little bit scary. Uh, the uh, Jays came back last night and uh, salvaged a uh, – or managed a split. They lost the game last night, but they still split the series with the uh, Chicago White Sox. So they keep their playoff hopes alive, although they are getting dim. They are five and a half back of the Red Sox in the wild card. And the problem for Toronto is they don't get to see the Red Sox. They're done 
with the season series with the Red Sox, so they they can't directly help themselves there. They're, they're going to need some help from some other people to get in. Another team that is facing that now, the San Diego Padres. The Padres lose again last night. Max Scherzer shuts them out for the Los Angeles Dodgers, a 4 nothing win. The Dodgers sweep that series. The Padres have lost 8 of 10, 12 of the last 14 uh, they are now two games back of the second wild card as the Cincinnati Reds pick up a win over Milwaukee last night. Uh, great performance by Sonny Gray. And Cincinnati has now kind of taken control of that second wild card spot. The Dodgers can't seem to, to catch the Giants because they won't lose. They won again last night. They beat the New York Mets, who were dropping like a rock. But San Francisco picked up its 83rd win of the season last night. They beat the Mets 3-2. Chris Bryant, uh, a two-run homer early, and then Darren Ruff with an RBI single in the eighth inning uh, to break a tie, and the Mets lose their third straight. They've now lost 8 of 10. They are now 7.5 back of Atlanta. They are 8 back in the wild card, and they are as good as done. And if you are Luis Rojas the manager, you better be dusting up your resume because I guarantee you that Steve Cohen is going to want a new voice in that locker room next year. Uh, This is a team that has a lot of talent. I know they've had a lot of injuries, but, man, just brutal if you're a Mets fan. The one positive thing for the Mets yesterday, Noah Syndergaard, is going to resume his throwing program as he comes back from Tommy John surgery. And when he was interviewed yesterday, he, he's a free agent uh, coming up. And uh, one thing he said yesterday, and if you're a Mets fan, you love to hear this, he said that he cannot imagine leaving the Mets. So if you're a Mets fan, you love to hear that. Maybe there's some hope that they'll be able to retain him, get a, get a healthy Jacob deGrom next year, uh, you know, and hopefully be able to reset this team. And uh, again, you know, with Francisco Lindor and Michael Conforto and, and Brandon Nimmo, they've got a lot of talent there. J.D. Davis, they should be better than five games under 500. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's 29 minutes past. Yeah, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Dan Zampano joins us rejoins us Uh, it'll be a regular uh uh, friday visit during the nfl season we're going to bring him back to preview the start of the season right after this you're listening to the wake-up call on sports country it's 31 minutes past the hour welcome back to the wake-up call here on sports country and uh you know that uh, it's the right time of the year when we are able to hear the dulcet tones of none other then Dan Zampano. Dan is back to preview the NFL season with us. Good morning, Dan. How are you? Gene, it is a beautiful day. I am actually back up in Connecticut, luckily, oh, yeah. for the weekend. Ah. Yes, I am. So it is It is good to be back up here, and I can smell the air is cooking and ready for <laughs> pigskin. It is so close, Gene. We are yet tomorrow, college football, and then 13 days away from the NFL. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's uh, it's. This is your favorite time of year. Uh, this is the. I mean, you you hibernate for a couple of months, and then uh, <laughs> you start getting cranked up. And I'm sure you're ready to go. Look, we got a lot to get to this morning, but I have to start with the Patriots. Um, and and I want to start with this. We have something that you know we've kind of had the last couple of years since Tom Brady left, and it's going to be who's going to play quarterback for the New England Patriots. And the talk has been, Bill Belichick has said from the beginning, even after they drafted Mac Jones, Cam's our quarterback. Yet we go through a period this week where Cam is suddenly mysteriously absent because he left the team for a doctor's appointment and come to find out, well, he obviously was not vaccinated because of the NFL protocols. He couldn't be vaccinated. So you have the leader of your team that is not vaccinated, that puts himself out of commission for five days. You've got a a league that is telling, begging players to get vaccinated. 93% of them have listened. And yet here you go having this guy that's supposed to be your leader not available. How how do you think that sits with the rest of the Patriots? It is an extremely complicated 
mess honestly that <laughs> that it went through on last saturday and first off i'm not really sure exactly why cam had to leave and go to a private yeah, doctor uh, exactly. uh, when they have a, <laughs> a unbelievable medical facility right uh at in foxborough i just that one just kind of boggles the mind a little bit um not entirely sure that that was the entire reason why he left but regardless, uh, he knows what the protocols are. And he knows that if he does not get tested in NFL facilities, that, uh, hello, you're not going to be able to be there for five days. <laughs> right. So, again, this is one of those things that even – forget the vaccination part for a second. I mean, obviously, that is, that is obviously number one on everybody's mind. Not understanding the protocols in what you're doing – and not getting tested at the places that you need to get tested at and leaving, leaving camp for no reason is, is just, again, it is everything that Bill Belichick has preached against put yourself before the, putting yourself before the team. Right. That is not, that is not the Patriot way, obviously. Right. Now in, now in light of all of that, you have Mac Jones and all accounts from Patriots camp. You have Mac Jones, completely outplaying Cam Newton by miles and miles. And you can see it in the preseason games, obviously. Um, anybody that said Cam Newton had a great game against Philadelphia Eagles, that's nice of you to say. Guess what? Philadelphia didn't play six of their starting right. defensive linemen. The, the number one thing that the Eagles have on their roster. So, again, when you're playing with a clean pocket and, and you know, basically seven on seven, it can be easy to do that. Now, Mac playing against other people, Mac played a lot cleaner uh, and a lot faster in the second game than he did in the first, and he had two pretty good games. So to me, you want to know who starts? And unfortunately, I'm still going to say this, I think Bill Belichick still goes with Cam Newton. I just I don't think that he believes at this point that Mac Jones is – uh, ready to have an entire 17 game season under his belt with the body and shape that the shape that his body is in. And to me, I've thought that from the beginning, like, like you have, I've heard your show. You've said a million times, it's not going to matter. Right. So, uh, I'm going to just sit back and probably have cam be the starting quarterback on, in my, in Foxborough in a couple of weeks against Miami. And that's the way it's probably going to be. You know, because the other part of it is, and I've, I've mentioned this on my show as well, is that, yes, Mac Jones has played, you know, he has outplayed Cam. There's no question. And, and by the way, from all accounts, too, as well as in the practices, you know, when they've done these joint practices with the teams, he's looked unbelievable. But what you don't see in preseason games and what you don't see in practice, you aren't going to see the defensive schemes Right. In the preseason that you're going to see in the regular season. They're going to throw stuff at him he has never seen. So perhaps, you know, getting a chance to watch from the sidelines, watch in the film room for a few weeks, and maybe it will only be a few weeks, but that's got to be valuable learning experience for Jones just to see the speed of a real NFL game. Huge, huge. And I'll tell you what, even so, I think that, we have completely overblown preseason games a ton. Yep. Uh, I think the practices are way more important, especially the joint practices. The joint practices, are, you're actually going to have ones-on-ones. Everybody's actually going to play. The coaches are actually going to have situations set up so that you're going to fail. Right. And, <laughs> and as, especially as a rookie. And, you know, again, I do think you're going to see some more complicated coverages, coverage schemes, uh, you know, check me's at the line uh, blocking formations to be able to set the protections. Mac Jones has definitely shown the ability to do that in the preseason games. Um, apparently has done pretty well in those joint practices. Again, I think you're right. I think once the actual games start, we'll see uh, who can sink, who can sink and who can swim. That's, that's, I think that'll be a big test. Uh, whenever Mac Jones gets on the field. Couple of roster moves for the Patriots this week. We'll turn. We'll talk to about the first one that happened, and I, I almost heard you scream "Hallelujah" when I saw the the uh, <laughs> the news come through on the wire, and that was when the uh, Patriots traded Sony Michelle to the Los Angeles Rams for uh, a couple of bags of balls. Um, you know, look, 
Sony Michelle to st- I mean f- from the time he was drafted there were questions about why the why the Patriots drafted who they did. You think? And, yeah, and with the exception of look, he was there's no question that his rookie year he was great in the postseason, you know, and 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 played well. But it was all downhill from there. I mean, this was something that and maybe Sony Michelle, maybe you know, maybe a fresh start will help him or maybe Sony Michelle is exactly who we saw Sony Michelle was. First off, an absolute crap sandwich of a first round pick. <laughs> There's that. You expect your first rounder to be perennial talent that can play for you for the next six to ten years. Right. At least get to a second contract. Please. First second off, Sony Michelle, as good as he was in that postseason and you know, what, six touchdowns right. and all that jazz. What does Sony Michelle do exceptionally for the Patriots? Can no, he is he nothing. is he that good of is he that no. good of a, a runner between the tackles? No. Not really. No. Can he catch the ball out of the backfield, which he was touted to do at Georgia? Yeah. Not no. Much. Yeah. In fact, it's 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 so what exactly is his purpose to be on this team? Right. Like you know, so for them to get a fifth and sixth round pick for him, the value of that draft pick tells you everything you need to know. Right. It is one of the worst first round picks that Bill has made. Now, I'm not going to say that Sony Michelle is a bust. I would say that he's just like another guy. He's like a he's, he's a good third. He would have been a good third round pick. He is exactly. He is Stephen Ridley. Yeah. He is Lawrence Maroney. Right. He is any one of these random backs that you. He's Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. He's the same guy. Ooh. I mean, you, yeah, exactly. You're pulling, <laughs> pulling teeth with that yeah. one, aren't I? So you know. What, can I say anything bad about Sonny Michelle? I could say he was an underwhelming first-round pick that put, probably should have been picked in the third or fourth round, like they did this year with Ramondre Stevenson. So uh, I have a good time in L.A. Enjoy the wonderful weather. <laughs> and the Don't new stadium. Don't let the door hit you yeah. on the way. The new stadium, right. Sony Entertainment, is gone. And, uh, I'm, yeah. and I'm, not, I'm not really going to miss him that much. You know, yeah. and it's funny. You just brought him up, and, and as you were talking about how the fact that that a, maybe too much is made of the preseason games. Let me ask you, is too much being made of the performance of Ramon J. Stevenson in the preseason games? I tend to listen to the experts on this, and the expert is Ivan Fears, the running backs coach, who said uh, in a press conference, I think they asked him, uh, what does Ramon J. Stevenson need to work on to make this roster? And he said, everything. That was, <laughs> that was his answer. So, you know, I think he's progressing well. I think that, you know, he will probably be either a practice squad player or probably even dress for a few games. I wouldn't doubt that um, because of this trade. Right. But Damian Harris, Damian Harris is clearly the feature back here. And right. James White is going to be the third down back. J.J. Taylor is probably going to be involved in some way in the special teams and, and in um, in that running back room. So. And they still have Brandon Bolden as well. So there's a long way to go for Ramondre Stevenson. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some injuries, maybe that he gets some goal line work or third and short work or something like that later down the line. He is. We won't see Ramondre Stevenson, I don't think, this year until maybe late in the season if we see him at all. The other uh, move that the Patriots made yesterday was acquiring Sean Wade. Uh, from yes. the uh, the Baltimore Ravens for a couple of low-level draft picks, a seventh-rounder next year and a fifth-rounder in 2023. This is a guy uh, a couple of years ago out of Ohio State that people were talking about being a first-round draft pick and somebody who might end up being one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. His, his stock dropped significantly. I think he ended up getting picked, what, in the fifth round this year? Mm-hmm. Um, but with... The issue that the Patriots are having right now with Stephon Gilmore holding out and on the pup list, you know, is this a guy that you see as someone who can come in and 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 play right away? Well, he's definitely he definitely got drafted by the right team. The Ravens had him, and he's he's got that attitude. He's right. got that Baltimore attitude that he plays with. Uh, he's a he's kind of a little bit of a taller corner, really really good coverage guy, but got beat a lot last year at Ohio State. So. Um, I would say this, I'd say he's a high risk. 
he's a low risk, high reward player. Okay. Because a he's a rookie. He's coming out of a really, really good program with a really, really good coaching staff on defense. And he's already been in Baltimore. Uh, and the only reason that Baltimore got rid of him was because they had a surplus of corners, just like we had a surplus of running backs. So to have that, I think that he is obviously going to have to develop. He could you know, learn a lot from this coaching staff, obviously. But to me, I think that he is a big, big talent. Can he stay consistent? Is the question? And he, look, he's not—he's not Stephon Gilmore. Like, there's no replacing Stephon Gilmore on this team. Right. Um. So Sean Wade is a nice piece. It's like having another draft pick. Uh, and I think it's definitely, like I said, he was the number one rated quarterback going into last year uh, in the draft. So I think it's a good trade for the Patriots to make. The Patriots really need to get this thing figured out. Stephon Gilmore needs to get on the field. That's 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 that whole debacle that's going on. And to be honest with you, uh, I know that it's a quad and he's on the PUP list. Right. He's on the pay me list. That's what he's <laughs> on. Um, and so he's only making seven and a half million dollars this year. But you want to know something? As great as Stefan Gilmore has been, uh, you're 30 years old coming off a quad injury. Why are we going to pay you 15 million dollars like you want to get paid? Right. Like, why don't you get on the field? Show us that you can still play. And then maybe in the middle of the season, we'll grant that extension and extend you. Yeah, or but maybe— Stephon Gilmore, Stephon Gilmore needs to get in the field. Yeah, or maybe they somehow have some kind of an incentive-laden contract or something where the, you know, you've got an opportunity based on performance to, to, to earn extra money. I mean, it's just—you know, but unfortunately, the Patriots kind of have a history of— low-balling players, and that might yep. be part of part of the issue here with Stephon Gilmore. He might have said, look, I've been, I've been watching this mess go on with a lot of different players over the years, and, and somebody's got to take a stand, and he seems like he might be the guy that's going to try to do that. I'm not sure it's going to be successful, but uh, you know, maybe maybe it's a principal thing. I don't know. Um, yeah. I, 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 I would imagine, like, in hindsight, you could say, oh, maybe the cynic in you would say you should have traded Stephon Gilmore last year before this whole thing happened. Right. But now that he's here and he's going and apparently going to be here and he's just going to hold out, uh, we're going to see who wins. And usually Bill Belichick wins in these negotiations. So we'll see if he's feeling a little jovial this year or not. So we have this year a lot of quarterback controversies or quarterback mm-hmm. competitions or what what have you around the NFL. We're going into the final preseason game with some teams either not knowing who their starter is going to be or they're just flat out not telling us. Uh, Let's start off with what's going on in San Francisco. And, you know, I've watched a little bit of their preseason games, and I have to say, you know, and look, I'm a big Jimmy Garoppolo fan, but Jimmy has had trouble staying on the field. But I have been... um, kind of enthused about what I have seen from Trey Lance. What do you think Kyle Shanahan does here? Uh, I think Kyle Shanahan has a pretty clear choice. Uh, I think he's going to go with Jimmy Garoppolo to start the year and probably maybe even the whole year. Really? Uh, Trey Lance, as as I listen, I don't know if you remember, I was as high as anybody on Trey Lance. I said in the beginning of the draft, I said Trey Lance is the highest ceiling of any quarterback in this draft. I think he's that special in that town talented um he's not ready the game is way 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 too, too fast, fast yep. for him yep. he is fastballing every single ball and he's right. just yeah. trying to throw every ball through a freaking barn door right i mean it, 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 he looks he actually there are points where he looks really really good yep it, there there are points but there's also points where he is way too skittish and uh way too late on his decision-making to either throw or run, run. Yep. getting himself sacked all the time. I think that one's a pretty clear decision. Everybody's going touting and saying Trey Lance for rookie of the year, all this stuff. Trey Lance ain't going to play this year unless Jimmy Grappolo gets hurt, which, yeah, which could maybe happen. He, maybe he will play this year. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think that I think that, that that job is pretty locked up for Jimmy to, to start at least the regular season. Uh, the other big question mark right now is what is going to happen in New Orleans? Now, to me, look, uh, to me, I don't think there is a great 
I don't think they. I don't think either way they go is going to be great. Uh, look, I'm not a big look. Hill was pretty good last year when when uh, Drew Brees was hurt, you know, and they won. But I'm not a huge fan. But then their other choice is Jameis. Let me throw the ball to anybody but my own team, Winston. You know, and and he's look. He looked a little. He looked okay last week. I think people were overblowing a little bit how good he looked, but. What are they going to do down in New Orleans? And, man, there's a potential that this team could take a giant step backwards. Um, I think there's potential for that. I think luckily um, and quietly, and nobody ever talks about it, but New Orleans always has a really good defense. That's true. And, yeah. uh, you know, Dennis Allen has done a good job down there. I think Sean's got a decision to make. I think Sean Payton has to say to himself, okay, am I going to go with the obviously – you know, kind of proven commodity. Jameis, yes, Jameis throws a lot of interceptions. There's no question, but he's definitely um, capable of being a starting quarterback in the league. Um, or do I go with a completely new offense, which I have been on the train for this for a while. I think he should do this and, and change up the offense and go with a Ravens-style running game okay. um, uh, with Taysom Hill. But what I think he will do is – I think at this point, the way they have run their offense in the preseason, at least, I think he'll go with Jameis Winston to start the year. Um, I just, I don't, I don't see Taysom Hill really being able to complete the passes that he needs to complete. He looks again very skittish out there. Um, unless they're going to change the entire offense to fit Taysom Hill, I don't see them changing it up and and having uh, Jameis not be the starter. I think that was the plan for the last two years. I think they're going to stick with it. Okay. All right, fair enough. Uh, then we head north to Chicago, where Andy Dalton has been named as the starting quarterback. The question there is, how short of a leash does he have with Justin Fields pushing him? Very, very short. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't. I. I. In fact, I. I I'm not sure it's a leash. It might be like, you know, uh, a, a piece of floss or something around his neck. I, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. So, uh, listen, they drafted this kid. They, they have some time to work, work him in. I don't think fields has had the best of preseasons. Like everybody's been touting. I've, I, I think there've been times where he's shown flashes, but again, I think this, I think he's done much better against the twos and against the threes than he has against the twos and the ones. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that I think that they want to get this kid in the game because okay. they know their jobs are on the line. Right. So I I'd expect Justin Fields to be probably starting for the Bears within the first few weeks. In uh, perhaps the uh, biggest non-surprise in the NFL this year, uh, Urban Meyer named Trevor Lawrence as his starting quarterback. Uh, for week number one, this was really never a competition, was it? Breaking news, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, this was gracious. this was this was a this was competition in name only. Yeah, uh, listen, uh, Trevor clearly has had a rough go of it in yep. the first uh, couple of weeks, but I think that has more to do with two things. I think it has to do with the fact that Urban Meyer and Darren Bevel don't are not on the same page about what offense they want to run. And secondly, their offensive line is freaking Swiss cheese. I mean, it is awful. I have a feeling this is going to be a really, really rough year for the kid down in Jacksonville. But you know what? I think that might be good for him in the long run because it's going to force the hand of the Jaguars to either do something about it and not get their franchise killed or, you know, have the kid kind of toughen up get used to the NFL speed. It's clearly he's not used to it yet. Right. But I think he, there's always, again, there's flashes for Trevor Lawrence that I think have been, you know, productive. If he can just get help on the offensive line, I think that that would go miles. But I think this year they're in for a rough go. Well, you know, it was, it was funny when I saw that he was named the starter. You know what? It, it, it flashed me back to I started thinking about Joe Burrow. Yeah. You know, and, and what he went through in Cincinnati. And, you know, you can almost you could almost see a parallel there this year, couldn't you? Yeah, I, I would say so. I would say so. And I hope that doesn't happen to Trevor Lawrence. Um, I think he's a little bit more athletic than Joe Burrow is. I think Burrow probably has uh, a little more accuracy when it comes to throwing outside of the pocket. But, no, I definitely see the parallels. It's, they're both number one picks, and they're both going to crap sandwich organizations with no offensive line. So, you know, 
what more do you want? Except the only other thing is that Lawrence has to deal with Urban Meyer and kind of his ego, if you will, and trying to kind of work this out. So uh, it's you, just going to be. He's got an ego? Come on. I, I Yeah, you know, he doesn't have anything like that. I mean, come on. A, a Urban Meyer is, you know, that that's going to be the most fascinating person to watch outside of Dan Campbell and the Lions, who's just talking about biting kneecaps off. <laughs> Urban, 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 Urban Meyer is going to be the most fascinating guy to watch coaching-wise this year. Um, the team that I am going to be fascinated to watch this year, and, mm. and not from necessarily a good standpoint because I am not a fan of the Dallas Cowboys, but <laughs> there are going to be a lot of eyes on that Cowboy team this year. Obviously, you know, you get your starting quarterback back. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott did not have a great year last year. I mean, it kind of sounds silly, but he did not have a great year last year. That team offensively is loaded. And this yes. is a team that finished 6-10 and 10 last year uh, and, and, and was in the playoff hunt right to the very end because of the awful division. But that's the team to me that a lot of eyes are going to be on. And I think they have the potential to run the table this year in the NFC. Um, they definitely have a potential. I think with that offensive, uh, weaponry, like you were talking about, I mean, when you have, you know, three stud receivers, including really CD lamb has taken over really right. as the best receiver on that team. It's incredible how quickly he's developed. Uh, they have the running game. They have the offensive line, uh, intact. Is their quarterback healthy? That's what I want to know. Yeah. I mean, is, 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 is his shoulder. Okay. I assume his leg is fine. Uh, at this point, but is his shoulder right? Is there's reports out of the athletic that saying that he might be dealing with his shoulder all year long um, and not be a hundred percent all year long. So I'm really interested in seeing how much Dak has progressed off of injuries. Their defense has got to play well. And Quinn has got to figure out a way to get that team to be able to cover somebody. Right. Or force a, force a lot of turnovers. I love the Micah Parsons kid. I think that that kid is a stud. He's probably the next great linebacker looking so far. Uh, again, that's a pre, that's based on preseason where nobody knows anything. Right. But I think Parsons really has a lot of talent, a lot of potential. He's been forcing a lot of turnovers in preseason. So, again, are they going to win games 40 to 30? Is that going to be the way that the Cowboys operate? Or if they can play any lick of defense – you know, they could be a really scary team and blitz through the NFC. I don't see them. I think that that division is so wide open. I think all four teams, yes, all four teams in that division. Even the Eagles, huh? Yep, I think all four teams <laughs> in that division have a chance. I, I do. Any the way it, it depends on how the way the ball bounces. I've definitely got my preferences on teams, but I think Dallas has to prove that they can actually cover people in the secondary. And until they do, I, I can't say that they're going to be a Super Bowl contender. Well, we've gone this entire segment without once mention, mentioning the GOAT. But since we might as well end it there, since we just talked about Dallas, their week one opponent is Tom Brady and those mm. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, and every time we want to count Tom Brady out, and you say, oh, he's too old. And, you know, after what he did last year, I'm never going to doubt anything that that guy wants to do again. But what do you, I mean, is it realistic to expect him to be able to continue to play at that same level this year, another year on, with even less to play for, if you know what I mean? I mean, how many more, how many more championships do you want? Is there, does he still have that drive? You know? <laughs> is, is, is this even a real question? I, mean, I, you know, like, I, mean, I don't mean to, I don't mean to, I don't mean to, you know, laugh. But well, no, like, but you do, but that's fine. Yeah, yeah I do. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the guy just is, I mean, an, it's an enigma. He's a, not a human being. <laughs> I was having a conversation. I was having a conversation last night about, you know, who the best quarterbacks in the NFL were. And, you know, we were debating, oh, is it Mahomes or is it Rogers? Is it Mahomes or is it Rogers? I was kind of making the case for Rogers and all this stuff. And, you know, somebody just kind of pulled the reins back and it's like, dude, until Brady, is out of the league. He's the best. He's the best. Yeah. Because guess what? He's been in the Super Bowl every year, yeah. every single year. Four of the last six Super Bowls have had Tom Brady in it. I mean, like, it's absurd what this guy does. It's, when it, the playoffs are on the line, 
and, and the season down the line, he is Thanos. I mean, it's yeah. in, it's incredible. <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, so, I, no, he's got all the motivation in the world. What I'm interested in, and you might be interested in too, is the Seth Wickersham book coming out about the Patriots yes. dynasty and yes. all that. And I think that'll be extremely telling. Unfortunately, it's coming out after the Patriots and Bucks play. Oh, that's too so, bad. Uh, it, it's like the week after. So I'm very interested in that because Brady's made some comments in the media talking about, you know, how, you know, if people can't control you, they'll find a way to have other people look at you differently and right. all this different stuff. And there's a lot of cryptic messages in the Boston tabloids going on. So I'm, you know, that that's always the juicy stuff that we'll look forward. The Bucks should be the favorite to win the Super Bowl. Really? Hands down. Really? Nobody, that, absolutely. Absolutely. That team is completely loaded. I don't know why the Chiefs are the favorite. I think the Bucks should really are, are, are a little bit better than them. I, I really do. Well, well, all right. Uh, I, 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 I'm sorry I asked the question, I guess. You know, it's just, yeah, I guess. It's okay. You know, I guess it's because I'm getting old and, and I've, I've lost a little off the fastball. I just assumed everybody should. And, you know, I guess Tom, you're right. Maybe Tom Brady just isn't human. Maybe that's it. Dan, we, uh, I'm, I cannot wait for them to uh, start playing in anger next week. We will have you on every Friday, yes. as we always do, with your fearless picks. Although our first week, we're not going to do picks the first week. When we have you on next week, so I'll give you time to prepare for this. We're going to talk about. We're going to get your fearless predictions for the season, and yes. and uh, so give you some time to study, and and uh, you can you know, pick all your division winners and wild cards and all that stuff, and we'll talk about that next week. I can't wait. Very excited. I got the show coming out into the Sunday card coming out, and we're doing the same thing. So great. You can hear on Spotify, but definitely listen into your show to hear it because it'll be. It's it's sometimes it's more fun with you on there. Obviously, oh, asking oh. the asking the hard hitting questions. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm a barrel of laughs. Dan, have a great weekend up here in Connecticut, and we'll talk to you next week. You too, Gene. God bless. All right. That is going to do it for us here this morning. We will be back on Monday with another edition of The Wake Up Call. I thank you all for spending some time with us this morning. We leave you with some music from Gabby Barrett. It's Footprints on the Moon. See you Monday. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.